series on Romans. And uh, I've shortened slightly uh, what I was doing, and I'm just really focusing on three uh, verses today. Um, Before I get there, um, I'd just like to uh, read a quote from Jim Carrey. I think it's on one of the slides. Oh, we've deleted the first slide. Good, okay. Do we all know who Jim Carrey is? Yeah, big smile. Was he the Joker in something? The mask, that's right, big smile. Uh, Very, very famous, uh, for some of you, maybe hilarious uh, person who's in films, an actor. And he says this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. It's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes when we go through the ups and downs of life, we think, if only... I had fame, if only money, as much as I wanted, if only I had everything I could possibly want, then suddenly that would sort out this particular issue. But there he is, Jim Carrey, somebody who really, in terms of this world, had everything that anybody could want. And he said, it's just not the answer. I think as we look at the uh, verses we're going to look at today, we see God helping us to understand ourselves and how we grapple with the ups and downs of life. Because life does go through uh, uh, troughs and and mountains, doesn't it? Yeah, sometimes both at the same time. (laughs) And we're not quite sure where we are. I don't know about you, but uh, it's the beginning of term and one or two, I know teachers, some of the youth are feeling we're kind of on that mountain cliff at the moment, looking down over that large, the, the beginning of term and everything that's about to go on. Uh, anyway, let's, let's read the verses today from Romans chapter 8. I'm just going to read from verse 26 to 29. I'm reading from the ESV. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. A really well-known passage. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, just invite you, Lord, as we continue to worship you in, in listening to your word, Lord, invite you to come and to be with us. Lord Jesus, will you speak to us, Lord? You come and speak to us into individuals and as a group. Lord, will you encourage us by your spirit? Lord Jesus, will you give us to have a sense of eternity in our hearts, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to look at this passage in three uh, different chunks. Um, The first part is all to do with the Holy Spirit, and I'll title that Filling with the Holy Spirit. The second part uh, with that really famous verse, verse 28, is all about God's character and how he works together, all things work together for the good. And then the third part is about being conformed to the image of his son, and that really wraps up everything that we're saying. 
Okay, so first part, filling with the Holy Spirit. As we look into verse 26, we see that, that word likewise. So it's really linking with what Steve said last week. And if you remember, Steve was talking about the creation groaning, wasn't he? The three Gs and how difficult it can be in this world as we look at it. Sometimes life can be a real challenge and we can find difficulty, health difficulties, life difficulties and challenges to our mind. And here really, he's introducing by saying the Spirit helps us in our weakness. In other words, we need the Holy Spirit for our life. We need it to understand the world, we need it for godliness, and we need it to move, need him to help us move forward. Um, And when we are weak, we really, really need the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's the last one. There we go. I have got my memory stick. There we go. Right. I'll just keep going. You'll keep smiling at me. And then you know we're with me. And then we'll wave when we get all the right slides. But anyway, we'll, we'll keep going. Good. Okay. Um, and we really do need the Spirit to help us in our weakness. It's interesting here when we look at verse 26 we see the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groaning too deep for words. That same word, isn't it, that was with us last week in the groaning of creation. And it's interesting, that word, because people see it in different ways. What does it mean, groaning too deep for words? Does it include what we heard just earlier, a tongue or a personal gift of tongues? Now, some of you may be very familiar with that. For other ones, it's it's kind of a bit strange, isn't it? It's a bit supernatural, and in our world it feels a bit strange. But really the passage is saying, Paul is saying here, that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, and we need the Holy Spirit with us. Um, I'm going to just uh, read uh, a passage um, from Terry Virgo's book, No Well-Worn Paths. Some of you may know it. Terry Virgo, the kind of father of our movement, And he, uh, when he was uh, much younger, had become a Christian. But he was grappling with the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit and particularly speaking in tongues. It tends to be something people get hung up upon. I know I really struggled with it for a while. What is it? Why do you speak in tongues? And there's a a little passage in his book here that I'm going to read to you um, that's about him receiving the the Holy Spirit for the first time and speaking in tongues. Interestingly, he, uh, the first phrase is, I argued with them at length. <laughs> so he was, he was not there when he started, was he? He was arguing, but he's saying, Why did, what, what, what is this about the Holy Spirit? Why do we need this? Why do we need speaking in tongues to help us? Let me just go through because I think it, it reinforces a lot of what we've uh, already heard and, and said today. So I argued with them at length. He'd gone round somewhere to talk about and to pray about being filled with the Holy Spirit. But their patience and love were exemplary. They brought me back to the promises of the Bible and reminded me of my heavenly Father's faithfulness and encouraged me to draw near to God once again. I prayed. And once again, they encouraged me to speak in tongues, that language that we heard earlier that you don't learn, just that kind of spiritual language that inspires us when we hear it. Fearfully, I started, but quickly stopped, claiming I did not want to make up some silly, meaningless language. 
And I think those of us who speak in tongues, the first time you feel a bit silly, don't you? You feel, what, why is this stuff coming out of my mouth? What is it? Is it a godly language? Or is it just, I don't know, what I ate for breakfast coming up again? What, what is going on here? There's that, that questioning and wondering what God's doing, isn't it? And again, they prevailed on me to stick at it and began to pray. I did so and carried on this new language for a little while. But it was as though hundreds of voices in my head were accusing, you're making this up. This is not supernatural. This is mere nonsense. Quietly, my friend commented, you are very clever at making this up. I don't know if you noticed the the tongue earlier. You'd have to be very clever to make it up. It had standards. It sounds like a language, didn't it? almost sounded like it was almost tonal in the way it was going up and down. It would be very clever to make that up. We laughed. I relaxed and carried on. Suddenly, a rush of power went right through my being from head to toe. I found myself not only speaking freely in tongues, but also calling out to God in the most loving and intimate terms I could imagine. God was right here in my heart. His love was overflowing me. I truly loved him like never before. Abba Father suddenly took on a new meaning. A few minutes earlier, I'd been arguing against my tongue-speaking endeavours, and now I never wanted to stop. The Holy Spirit is so important in our weaknesses, that he helps us. And this gift of tongues, which I can't go into too much today, is part of that, isn't it? It's part of us as a charismatic group of people saying, actually, we believe that this is still here today and relevant. It may feel odd sometimes. um, And for those that are new to it, it may feel just slightly strange when we hear it. But it is amazing, um, particularly with the interpretation today, to lift us and to really get a sense of what God's saying. We feel God with us don't we? And this passage here talks about interceding, that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And in the, um, uh, the part I just read from this book, there was that element of it wasn't just tongues. And this word groaning isn't just about tongues, it's about our hearts, saying, Lord, we want to worship you. We want to praise you. We want to intercede for other people in a way that we can't, because we need him helping us in our weakness. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So that's the first part of being filled with the Spirit here. It's that word groaning coming through again and just trying to understand it. And then verse 27 almost takes us onto another tack about the Holy Spirit and how he works with us. Because verse 27 says this, And he searches hearts and knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And I'm just going to pause a moment. And he searches hearts, and he searches our heart. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I go to pray, I feel a little bit flat. And I wonder, what have I done wrong? Have I not read enough of the Bible this morning? Was it that I've kicked the cat and and not said sorry for it? Was it that I said something that I shouldn't have done? And you sit there and you you get a little bit paranoid sometimes. Well, what is it? I don't know quite what it is that I've done wrong. Was it dreaming of that BMW I shouldn't have done? Was it that I played golf too long on Saturday? What was it that made me feel slightly flat when I came 
to pray. And you start thinking, oh, Lord, I'm really sorry about that. You start kind of overthinking things. And I love this verse here that it talks about the Spirit of God searching our hearts. We don't have to say, what have we done? What, what do we have to do? We can allow the Spirit of God to test our hearts, to work our hearts. We can just sit there and just say, okay, come Lord Jesus, if there's anything I need to make right, any plans I need to make, anything I need to say, just come and, come and work on me. It's not about us working up those things. It's about allowing the Spirit of God to search us, to work on us, because he knows the mind of the Spirit, and then that helps us to pray. Um, 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says this, But just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God, who tests our hearts. It's him who tests our hearts. And we can, if you like, feel peaceful when we're praying, that he, allowing him to test our hearts and to work through. So this passage starts by the Spirit helping us in our weaknesses, And it starts talking about groaning and about the Lord, the Holy Spirit, testing our hearts. But then it moves on to verse 28. (coughs) And I want to spend a bit of time with verse 28. It's one of those very well-known passages in the Bible. But perhaps sometimes easily misunderstood as well. So I want to go into it a little bit more. Okay. So, in the ESV, it says this, And we know that those who love God, that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So, at the beginning, it's got for those who love God. At the end, it's got for those who are called according to his purpose. I think we can agree that's talking about Christians, isn't it? Those who've made a commitment to Jesus. And... uh, If that's not you, if you don't feel that you've made that commitment to Jesus, then uh, what I'm saying to you next doesn't really refer to you because it's about how God with those who've made that commitment to Jesus. But it's still interesting to look at. But I would challenge you, if you haven't made that step towards him, if you don't feel you've made that first step of faith, why not come to chat to me, chat to Steve, uh, chat to Ivan, anybody, um, and we can kind of talk you through because that is so important as we look at the next part of these verse. So we've got those parts that are talking about people who are called according to his purpose. And then it's this part in the middle. God works, those who love, work, love God, it doesn't say God works all things, it says in the SV, all things work together. I think in the NIV it says God works all things. And how does, how does that work? That everything works together for the good of those who love him. Is it, no it's not, but is it the fact that actually in in the cosmic realm everything's happening so that it's good for me? The weather maps, God is working round so that when I want to go out in the afternoon the sun shines on me. That when I want a job actually God is working that into the newspaper comes this perfect advert for me at exactly the right time. When I'm feeling like I want to buy my BMW, suddenly there's a miraculous happening with my bank account and there's the money. That God is somehow orchestrating everything else so that it's good for me. I think not. 
Let me give you a little uh, example of that. Um, I don't know whether you've ever heard of a man called Jonathan Goforth. Okay? He's a, a, a fascinating man. He's a missionary to China and North Korea in the 1900s, just the turn of the century. And he brought a revival to Pyongyang, so that's the, um, uh, the capital of North Korea in the 1900s. He was a, a key person. Lots of people working there, but God moved by his spirit behind this man called Jonathan Goforth. But he really didn't want to be praised for all the things that God were doing. He wanted to say, look, it's God working. Don't look at me. So he told this story, and it's the story of a woodpecker. So, this was his favourite story. Goforth's favourite story was to tell about a woodpecker that was pecking at a tree during a storm. Pecking away at a tree. The woodpecker was working hard to progress on the tree. And then suddenly, a lightning bolt struck the tree and splintered the tree into many different pieces. The woodpecker flew up without being harmed and swooped down to observe the splintered pieces of the tree strewn along the ground and replied, replied, wow, I'm good. (laughs) You see, he was thinking that all this splintered tree was because of him. It somehow, life revolved about him. It wasn't that there was an amazing storm, that the uh, lightning bolt came down and, and whatever happens in a lightning bolt and the millions of volts. No, no, it was all about him. And this verse, if you like, it's not about the world revolving about us. Because we know, as Christians, it's all about Jesus. And if we go back again, It's about those who are called according to his purpose, Jesus' purpose. Okay, does this verse say, no it doesn't, does this verse say life will be without trials? Because if everything is for our good, does that mean we're going to be healthy and wealthy? I've um, got a couple of quotes here from people who have studied this verse for much longer than I have. They're both commentators on this passage. And uh, I'll let them speak to you, answering that one. Douglas Moo, uh, who's a great commentator on Romans, says this. So God might allow us to lose a good job in order to create the good of a deeper commitment to him. This verse does not promise a better job restored health. F.F. Bruce, again a famous commentator on the Bible, says on this passage, indeed God's overruling greats cooperates in all things for his people's good, even in those things which at the time are so distressing and perplexing and hard to bear. We know that this is so, says Paul, speaking as one who has proved its truth in his own experience, finding, for example, that his hardships, and we know Paul's hardships, being stoned, being put in prison, being shipwrecked, that his hardships turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. James 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, 
But when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. There is a, a feeling in this word, that, uh, this, this verse, though, that I get quite excited about. And I want to see if I can communicate that with you. Because it doesn't say, people, everything's going to be fine. I did think, actually, when I became a Christian at 13, the way people talked about Christianity, it meant, do you know what? Life will be easy from now on. And do you know what? For about a year, it was. And then life hit. And you have to work it through with your faith being called according to his purpose. Okay, so what does it mean? Let's read it again. And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Let me try and summarize it in my language. That in his wisdom, he will ensure that all things work together for our final good. He will ensure that the things we go for, if we work with him, will work for our holiness, will make us more like Jesus, will work out for our broader salvation. Dare I say it, they'll even prepare us for being with him finally in heaven. But whereas if we don't know Jesus, we just have these random things hitting us. We have the difficulties and the successes in life, and we don't really have a way of coordinating and understanding them. But we know here as Christians that God allows these things for our deeper good. I'm not saying we understand why sometimes. But I'm saying this verse says that as we're going through our life, we can just hold on that God is working all these things in his amazing wisdom for our good. I think as I say that, I touch on those that are going through difficult times. And I don't think I can move on without just mentioning one or two things about that. And maybe this is something you might want to talk about. Maybe I'm just saying it just briefly here and it opens up some things for you. But for those in trouble, so those in difficult times, try this. Not asking, why is God allowing this? Because that's our first thing, isn't it? Why is God allowing me to go through this? But actually... What is God saying through this? Or, what good is God doing in this? How is he changing me in this? And this is great because we begin to see our lives as part of God's plan. Not some random difficulties or successes or joys or uh, community um, uh, celebrations, but actually there's a sense that we are in God's plan. And I think that we can feel restless in our spirit until we accept that all things work together for the good of those who love him. Let me give a little example to help you think about this. If we uh, have the picture of our new little kitten up. You can just about see our new little kitten there, can't you? Yeah? Tiny, gorgeous, grey... Absolute dream to be in the house, perhaps. She looks cute. She looks fun to be joy with. We haven't yet named her because she's such a terror. Um, She has fleas. We didn't know that when we picked her up, but we do know that now. 
She likes to bait our older cat, running up, running down, smiling, running away. They're not getting on very well, as you can probably imagine. <laughs> she has this habit of climbing up your legs with her sharp claws, which is all fine when you're wearing trousers. Not so good when you're wearing shorts or a skirt. Not that I would be wearing a skirt, but that other people might be wearing a skirt. Oh dear, I'm getting myself in trouble now. Quickly, um, she seems to have taken off over a whole room in our house. And she went to the vet for the first time and cost us a hundred pounds. She's only that size. Only been in the house a week and already cost us a hundred pounds. Okay, so those are the difficulties. I'm going to throw it out to you. What do you think God might be doing in us or in you if you had a cat for the first time? What could be the, the good that God is doing through it? Perseverance, learning to persevere. And sometimes perseverance is not about weeks and months and years, is it? It's about just getting through the next couple of days. Any more? I know it's a silly example, but it's quite interesting just to think about it, isn't it? Responsibility, yeah. To try and protect this little thing. Learning to love. Yes, I have to say the older cat was not my favourite. But this little one, you can't help but love it. Even after it's scratched your legs and, and taken a lot of your money, you can't help but just your, your heart, and it kind of gives you a father's heart, Get a little sense of how God views us, don't you? A little sense of his compassion and his love for us, even when we spend a lot of our times doing completely the opposite to what we want. And there's a lot to be learned through, for us to be learned, just from that, despite those difficulties. Now, I know that's a very simple and trivial example, but it is important, isn't it, to see as we go through things what God is. Uh, how God is using us. Right, let me move on. I could spend uh, a number of uh, times here. Um, God uses all things for our good. So, uh, the third part here is uh, the uh, verse 28. No, verse 29. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You know, when God chose us, he decided that we were to be conformed into the image of his son. Ultimately, he wants us to be more like Jesus, to have his like likeness, so we can be called his brother. And really, that's referring back to verse 28 again, isn't it? That in all those things that we go through, he is conforming us into the likeness of his son. He's helping us to become more like Jesus. He's changing our character. He's changing our priorities, what we do with our money, how we, how we use our time to think about what Jesus wants for us and to become more and more like him. And in a way, that's the role of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? To reveal Jesus to us, to help us to understand Jesus. That in our weaknesses, we call out to him so we can be more like him. I think there's a, a coherence finally between those three verses. So, where do I go from there? I thought what I'd do to finish is just to put up 
some suggestions of ways in which we can kind of apply this and, and use these. So here are um, five suggestions. Maybe pick up one of them and take them away for your week and think about it. Um, first of all, we need to pray regularly for God to fill us with his Holy Spirit so we can be more like Jesus. We need to pray for that. And it's easy, isn't it, after a while being Christians to forget about, Lord, we just need your Spirit. I know going into my next week at work, I'm going to need the Holy Spirit with me, guiding me and encouraging me. Number two, for those that have the gift of tongues, to regularly use the gift of tongues. It's easy just to forget, isn't it? But the power of that gift is just amazing. We heard a little sense of it today. But the power of that gift is just amazing. And a whole, uh, really opens up a whole uh, another discussion. But regularly use it. And if it's not a gift you have, then eagerly seek it. Ask somebody, talk about it. What is this gift of tongues? What does it mean? How can it help me in my weakness? Number three, allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart and convict you and challenge you about your next steps. Don't be over-introspective. Allow the Holy Spirit to do that. So if you find yourself being over-introspective, just stop and say, okay, Lord, what do you say? What do you want to challenge? What do you want to question? What do you want to encourage in me? Number the fourth one here is in times of difficulty and times of success, because it's the good and the bad, ask the question, what eternal good is God doing through this? What's he doing in me? What lessons am I learning? And the fifth one is, is a little bit of a uh, one I, I, I read here. It's a little bit off to the side. Um, it's something that God's been challenging me about. Um, allow life to slow down. Because sometimes in life we, we, we do so many things that actually spending time with God doesn't happen. Understanding what he's doing, accepting his word doesn't happen. And for some of us, it might be the mobile phone. So I had a little um, test a week ago. I had a whole 24 hours without a mobile phone. It was almost impossible. In fact, I came to church, I had nowhere to write my notes from the sermon. The whole thing was changed, but 24 hours without a mobile phone. And you just find, for those of us that spend a lot of time on it, it gives us time to focus on God. It's almost like fasting in a way, to focus on Jesus. It is possible to do that, and it will help you find your rest in God. I hope those five are helpful for you and you've got something uh, to take away and to look at. I'm just going to finish with a, a quote from St. Augustine. And he says this, Thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. Shall we pray? And if you'd like to stand, just, have a, just, just pray as we finish, and then I'll hand over to Steve. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you 
that all things work together for the good of those that know you and are called according to your purpose. Lord, we don't always understand it, but we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you know what is good for us and that you seek to bless us. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We want to live in the good of that, Lord. We want to be those that trust you beyond anything else. I want to reach out to you today, Lord, to say, we trust you in the good times and the bad, Lord. We want to go through those with you, Lord. We want to become more and more like you day by day, Lord Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here to come and to touch us and to minister to us and to bless us. Invite you to test our hearts and to work through our hearts, Lord. Lord, to help us to focus on you, Lord Jesus. To help us to feel like (laughs) we can talk to you face to face without shame and without fear. Thank you, Lord.